I'm just talking, babbling. This is what you came here for, isn't it? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to So I Got My BFA, dot, dot, dot. My name is Kelsey McFall, and I am the host of this podcast. Guys, we have made it to week four. This is episode four. I am so excited. I feel like I'm finally getting the swing of things and getting into a groove with this podcast and I'm having so much fun doing it. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you're new to this podcast, thank you for clicking on it. I have three other episodes that you can go listen to as well if you enjoy watch or not watching, listening to this. But just just think I just want to say thank you. I'm just having the time of my life doing this podcast. It's been keeping me creative in this downtime that I have right now in my life. Um, it's keeping my mind off of things that are happening in the world right now. Um, and it's just, it's just making me really happy and I really enjoy doing it. So I'm, I'm happy that you guys are continuing to listen or that you've maybe found something new to listen to. And I will, I just like, I did not ever imagine that I'd be doing this to be completely honest. And now I feel like I'm on episode four and I'm like, I am a podcast mastermind. So come to me with all your podcast needs. (laughs) No, definitely not. But I just feel like I never thought that I'd I'd make it this far. I thought I'd do like an episode and be like, "Mm, I'm done. No more. But no, it's, it's been a really, it's, it's been a highlight of my quarantine time recording these, and I think I'll, I'm just going to continue to do them until they no longer satisfy me creatively anymore. Right now, I am just really enjoying filming these and writing these up and watching these musicals. I mean, it's not, it's, it's such, it's just such a hard job that I have to watch a musical every week and then review it for you guys. It's just so hard. <laughs> no, not at all. But anyway... Now that I've introduced you to the podcast and welcomed you, let's get into the nitty-gritty of it all. Guys, how was everyone's Halloween? Did you listen to the podcast? I I talked about Sweeney Todd, and I watched it for the very first time at 11 p.m. in my apartment alone, so I would really appreciate it if you um, listened to the podcast that I I did on it, because um, that really scared me. (laughs) My friend made fun of me. She was like, oh... So you watched a not scary musical at all. And I was like, it was, it it wasn't that scary. I will be completely honest. It was just really gory and bloody, but I did it for you guys. And I I would love if you went and listened to that podcast. Thanks. Um, uh, I do want to say again, if you're, if you're new or if you didn't listen to the last podcast, I am back in New York city. I'm very excited to be here, but there is some uh, ambient noise coming from outside my windows, um, (laughs) that I will try as best I can to, um, wait for it to be finished, but sometimes it just comes up in the middle of my sentence, and, um, there's nothing I can do about the, uh, fight that is ensuing because someone is blocking the parking, parking spot. I don't know. So, just bear with me on that, you guys. Um, I'm really excited to be back. It has just been, I've just been having a blast here, even though I haven't really been doing anything. It's just, like, being in this atmosphere, I guess, is giving me such a, a a high again, and I can't wait for things to actually start opening back up so that I can live my life. Um, how was everyone's Halloween? Let's get back to that. Guys, I just want to let you know how my Halloween went. Um, I poured myself a bowl of chocolate, and guess what? I dressed up in not one, but two costumes for absolutely no one to see. 
Um, I uh, do a, a workout every Saturday, and it was uh, they were like, um, it's like a, a Zoom dance cardio type of thing, and it was like costume party because it was Halloween, and so I went in my Lola Bunny outfit from last year, which was the perfect thing to work out in because it was literally just spandex and like a cutoff tank top. It was great. And so I wore that. And then at the end of the night, I decided that since people, you know, are always cute and try to, you know, um, costume coordinate with their best friends or their roommates, I would costume coordinate with my roommate for the time being, which is the pumpkin that lives on my windowsill. <laughs> I had, I know I sound crazy. I had no intentions of actually like that was not the reason. I was literally looking for anything that was in my closet that could I could call a costume because even though I wasn't going to do anything or go anywhere or see anyone on Halloween, I wanted to say that I still dressed up so that I have the memories. And it was actually, I don't know, I feel like it's a cool memory to to say that I dressed up as a pumpkin in 2020 and sat in my living room and did a photo shoot with my little pumpkin that sits on my windowsill because that's what I did. Are you guys tired of me yet? You can leave and you can unsubscribe anytime you want. Like, no, no, please don't do that. I love you guys. Um, but anyway, I had a pretty good Halloween at the like very end of the night. Like I was ready to go to bed. I get a text from one of my friends who's also in the area. And it's like, Hey, come over. And I was like, okay, literally had just washed my face, put on my pajamas, like was ready to like tuck in, go to bed. And I get this text and I'm like, eh, why not? So I got to go over to his house and um, I hung out with some of my college friends. We were all safe. We all social distanced um, in, within the parameters of the apartments. We were, we were very safe. It was very COVID friendly. So, but that was a lot of fun to see them again. I haven't seen them in eight months. And so just to like, and I really haven't even been around people in eight months, like new people. So just to, to see them and get to be around people again was, um, it was a lot of fun. And we, we had a lot of catching up to do. Guys, I have a question. Now that Halloween is over though, are you pro Christmas decorations for November or after November? Because I may or may not have a Christmas tree up in my window seal right now. My roommate is very against it. She believes that you should decorate on December 1st, where my mentality is that Christmas begins on November 1st and then it takes a pause on November 25th and then resumes on November 27th. So we can like Thanksgiving a three day period, right? I think that's the, I think, I think Thanksgiving is the 26th. So we give it, you know, we give it some love on the 25th, the 26th and the 27th and then it's Christmas again. That's my philosophy. What do you guys like to do? Um, I know some people are very anti that. I actually got a text from one of my friends that said, take that down, it's not Christmas yet. But listen, I don't think that I need to use Christmas as an excuse to put a really pretty Christmas tree in my window seal. I could, it's just, it could be decoration. It's just decoration, right? I didn't put up really anything else. I don't have any stockings hung up yet. I don't have any like garland anywhere. It's just a tree. And it wasn't doing anything but sitting in my closet anyway, so I thought that I should get out and get some light. But what do you guys think? Are you pro Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, or are you nearly Christmas comes after? Let me know. Write me. I don't know how you can reach me, but um, you can leave me a review and tell me in that. That would be great. Or you can DM me on Instagram 
when I give my Instagram information out later. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Okay, moving on. Let's roll the blooper reel. Light pause. Nothing? No? No? We don't have any? Guys, there are no bloopers for this blooper reel. I'm not saying that I filmed a perfect podcast, but um, I didn't have any bloopers this week. Or I did and I just didn't listen to it close enough, but I don't think that I did. So last week's podcast, pretty, pretty perfect one. So go listen to it. <laughs> Me saying it's perfect as if I don't ramble for like 15 minutes about nonsense. But I do that in all my podcasts. That's what you're here for, right? It's at the beginning. It's at the beginning of it. You clicked on it, heard it in the first five seconds and continued to listen. So this is what you're getting. I do have something to discuss though. I'm not going to call it a blooper because I just feel like that's not the appropriate um, word for it. It's just a, a blunder on my uh, my part. I still have not watched Ragtime. I know guys, I know. And I'm not trying to make it a bit. I'm really not. I listen to a couple of other podcasts and one of the podcasts I listen to are, um, is this podcast called Gilmore Guys. We have already talked about my obsession with Gilmore Girls. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, but I listened to th their podcast and they have like this running gag that Alexis Bledel is going to be a guest on their podcast um, every week and she never is. And that's like a gag that they do like, and they do it every week and um, she never appears. And that's just a running gag that they have. I'm not trying to do that, guys. I really am not. I really want to sit down and watch it I just don't know I've been distracted or I just don't think about it because I film these podcasts and then I like try to take a step away and like not think about the fact that people are going to be listening to me when I post these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like, I keep forgetting. But you know what? You know what? This is what I'm going to do next week. I don't really like to reveal my musicals of the weeks before they come because I like it to be, to be a surprise to the four listeners. Um, <laughs> but... Next week, I am going to talk, I'm going to review Ragtime. That's going to force me to watch it. And I actually really enjoyed doing Sweeney Todd last week because I got to, I got to review it in real time, it felt like, instead of like trying to recall memories and moments of these older musicals from my past and put them in present time. I got to do it kind of in real time. And it was, I don't know, I had, a, I felt like I had a very interesting conversation with myself. But, um, so next week... I will review Ragtime. It's going to force me to watch it, and I'm going to watch it. So there you go. Blooper reel over. Let's get into my w -w -w weekly obsessions. Is that the jingle I just made up? If anyone out there listening to this is like a jingle writer and you want to write me jingles, I would greatly appreciate it because I simply am not creative enough. <laughs> but for now, it's gonna, what, I don't even remember what I just did. Weekly obsessions. That's what we're gonna do. Okay, whatever. Guys, I'm really excited about these weekly obsessions because I feel like they're all recommendations that are good for artists out there. And it, well, even if you're not, even if you're just listening to this because you like entertainment or you like the performing arts, these are still like really some really cool recommendations that you can check out. So the first one is going to be an album. You guys, you probably already know this. I'm sure you've already listened to it. But it is the weekly obsession this week, Six the Musical. Guys, this this album is so good. It is probably one of the best albums I've heard in a long time. It's only, what, seven or eight songs long, but there is not a skip song in the album. They're literally all 
fantastic. I am loving that we are taking historical events or um, historical figures and turning their lives into or forms of their lives into musicals. Like when Hamilton did it, did, did any of us think that a musical about Alexander Hamilton was going to be the most Tony-nominated show in Tony history? I didn't. And, like, just listen to the concept. A musical about the six wives of Henry VIII, okay? But no, they took it and they just made it into something so incredible. It's so empowering to listen to as a, a woman in musical theater. And as a woman in general, it's an all-female cast. It's literally just the six wives. And they're basically telling their stories. Um, and they're, they're rewriting history is basically, or they're rewriting their history or their, the, their perceived history. And it's just so good. Go listen to the album. It's literally, it's like a pop rock album. I told my family members about it. And even my brother, who is not really the biggest like musical theater nerd, loved it. Like he he run, he runs a lot. Nikki, I know you're editing this. Hi. Um, <laughs> he likes to run and he likes to listen to it when he runs because it's that kind of it's like very upbeat and just like I don't know. It's really empowering to listen listen to, and something that I have been really enjoying, especially right now when we're in the midst of uh, this huge presidential election. I, I'm want to preface this real quick. I am filming this in the midst of it. I'm filming this Wednesday morning. So we are um, very in the middle of things. It's like so close. It's a little stressful how close it is. So this is the filming this podcast is really just taking my mind off of it for an hour or so. Um, so thank God for that. Um, but it's just it's just a fun album to listen to. And it's you 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 get a little bit of um, history while you're listening to it. And it's just a great, a great show. And I can't wait for it to finally, I think Broadway closed on its opening day. So it didn't even get to open on Broadway before the shutdown, but I cannot wait for it to come out. It's I, it's going to be so successful. I already know that. Um, but go, go give it a listen. It's great. My next weekly session is a book. And I'm really excited about this. I actually read this few years ago, but I brought it back to New York with me and I actually started reading it last week and so I'm about halfway through but it's called The Year of Yes How to Dance It Out Stand in the Sun and Be Your Own Person it's by Shonda Rhimes the creator of Grey's Anatomy, Grey's Anatomy How to Get Away with Murder and Scandal and other things but those are I would say her big biggest three um it's just a great book for really anybody but it's a really great book for aspiring artists to read because it's all about saying yes to opportunity and saying yes to experiences, even if they're scary or even if it's something that you never thought you'd be able to do or even if it's as small as taking time for self-care. Say yes. And it's, it's just a great mantra for anyone, really. Just say yes to opportunity because you never know if you say no, you'll never know if what you're missing and you'll never know if you could have gained a, a valuable experience or just like a memory doing whatever it was. It's literally just, it's a it's a, it's a, a mini memoir, I guess, based like on one singular year of her life where she just talks about how she said yes to everything that came her way for one year and it made her so much more productive. It allowed her to take um, time off for herself 
um, she said yes to staying home with her child and playing with her instead of um, going to another random business meeting. It's just, it's literally just all about saying yes to opportunity. And I think that's one of the most important things that we can do, especially as young performers who are basically trying to get our feet wet. Say, say yes, because you never know what could come out of that experience. Yeah, you don't know what could build on it because of that one experience that you said yes to if you say no. So it's a great, great book. Um, one of the most inspirational books I've read in a very long time. I'm so excited I brought it back to New York with me and I'm really excited to get in the meat and potatoes of it because I just I just started it. So again, I've already read it, obviously. Um, but it's, it's a great book. It, it came out a long time ago. So if you've already read it, read it again if you're feeling the need for some inspiration. But if you haven't read it, go... Go look it up and uh, maybe check it out. It's, it's a really great, great book. And my final weekly obsession is a play. This is called The Wolves by Sarah Delap. It's D-E-L-A-P-P-E. Guys, I read this play for the first time last year, and then I read it again um, recently in my book club. We read a play after we finish a book because it's just a bunch of um, friends from college that I'm in it with. This play is one of the best plays I've ever read. Just the way it is formatted and written and the, the, the plot, it, it's just so intelligent. The writing is so smart in this show and it just reels you in from the, from the moment you start reading it. I've, I desperately tried to find a bootleg of it and could not find one anywhere. So whatever, I'll have to try and find a production of it when things start opening back up. But because it is a little bit tricky to read because so much of it is overlapping dialogue, it's written in a way, it's basically just about the, the ongoings of a, a teenage girl and what it is like to be in high school and as a part of a sports team and um, what that means for friendships. It, it, it very much reflects the life of these seven or eight girls on this team. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, so um, I will try my best not to do that. It's written in a way where the dialogue sounds very realistic. So a lot, there's a lot of overlapping. So when you're reading it, it's kind of hard to... The first time I read it, I was like, wait, what conversation am I in right now? Because it's written in a way where there's a lot of conversations that overlap, that are happening in separate corners of the stage, but they kind of overlap. Um, but once you get past that, the writing is so good. I kind of... Not to compare it to Spring Awakening, but, like, I want to say that, like, that musical also deals with a lot of, like, teen angst and things that happen as you grow and mature as a teenager. But this one is, like, it's much more modern, obviously, and um, these kids are a little bit older. But it's it's kind of comparable as far as, um, you know, things that teenage girls go through, you know? Um, but go check it out. It's so good. There's this beautiful moment that has absolutely no dialogue. And literally, I don't have to watch it to, 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 to feel it. Like, you, you feel everything that's happening in that scene just by reading the stage directions. It's so beautiful. Um, there's a surprise ending. And um, go check it out, guys. It's, well, once again, it's called The Wolves by Sarah Delap. Delap. D-E-L-E. Wait. Yeah. D-E-L-A-P-P-E. Go check it out. It's amazing. That concludes our weekly obsessions. 
Is that the jingle I did earlier? I really don't remember. Anyway, so let's get on to the musical of the week. Guys, I'm really excited about this musical. I will, I chose this musical specifically for this week because I wanted to do something lighthearted that was super fun just to get everyone's minds off of some things that might not be so fun that are happening in the country right now. Um, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of anxiety, and this musical has absolutely none of that. There's no darkness. It's all happy, it's all spunky, and it's all just like rejuvenating. So I wanted to pick a happy musical um, and a musical that makes me, just makes me um, giggle and feel lighthearted when I think about it. So I am talking about Legally Blonde the musical today. I'm so excited. This is the first musical I've covered that I've actually been in. And I've not just been in Legally Blonde once. Oh, no, no, no. I've been in it twice. The first time I was just in the ensemble, I was a law student. And I didn't really, I didn't get to do any of the fun numbers because I wasn't adult and new, but it's fine. Um, but the second time I played Margot and uh, to this day, I think it's probably one of the, one of my favorite roles because it was just so fun to play someone who is just so aloof and doesn't really uh, think about consequences and just kind of goes with the flow and is so, you know, the ditzy characters are the best characters to play, in my opinion. But they're also like the most strenuous a little bit too, because you have to be so high energy the entire time. I'm telling you, I have never sweat as much as I did coming out of that, coming out off the stage after positive, because like, I mean, just like exerting that energy for that amount of time is just it's exhausting, but it's so fun and it's so rewarding. And it, it, those are some of my favorite characters to play. I actually played a character very similar to Margot in a college production. Um, I played this character called Ashley in um, Emma, a pop musical. <laughs> um, and that character is very similar. I just, I just love playing those roles. I feel like I um, am able to connect with them, I guess. I don't know why, but um, I just like the fun, high energy roles. Okay, enough about Enough about me, let's get to the musical. You guys, you know we're gonna start with the Wikipedia synopsis. Here we go, let's see if this describes this musical adequately. All right, here we go. It tells the story of Elle Woods, a sorority girl who enrolls at Harvard Law School to win back her ex-boyfriend, Warner. She discovers how her knowledge of law can help others and successfully defends exercise queen, Brooke Wyndham, in a murder trial. Throughout the show, no one has faith in Elle Woods, but she manages to surprise them when she defies expectations while staying true to herself. Wow, that was pretty good. I feel like I got what I needed out of that synopsis. Good job, Wikipedia. A plus, A plus synopsis on that one. I mean, I feel like it, it described the musical pretty well. Uh, at least the plot of it. I mean, obviously, like, it didn't say everything, but I don't know. But in the past, I don't know if they've quite adequately um, described them to a T, but this was pretty good. Guys, I want to talk about Legally Blonde as a musical. I um, loved Legally Blonde the movie growing up. It was one that I would watch over and over and over again. And then when I heard it was a musical, you know, I flipped out. I was so excited. The first time I ever saw it was on tour. It was in Louisiana. 
and uh, my mom and I drove over to watch it and I could not keep my eyes off of the stage like I was just so in awe and I personally think that I like Legally Blonde the musical better than the movie I know but I just feel like because of the energy that the movie needs is very um musical-esque right I feel like it is a movie that was supposed to be a musical I feel like the energy is right for it it's just so good and I it's I just feel like it was meant to be a musical I think it's done very well it's one of my favorites and I just I just I just love everything about it so let's get into it guys we start off with oh my god you guys love this opening I feel like um, one thing that happens a lot throughout this musical is there's a lot of storytelling throughout the songs that are that's not necessarily in song form, I guess. I'm talking about when, you know, they, um, they get to her door, she's not there. Oh, where's Elle? Like, it's like a song, but then there's a lot of dialogue within the songs. And then it goes back to song and then dialogue and then songs. And, but it's all one song. I feel like that happens quite a few times. I mean, it happens with... Oh my God, you guys, um, what you want, blood in the water, chip on my shoulder for sure. That's like the, I would say that's the most dialogue heavy song whipped into shape. It happens. Um, it, it happens so many times. Wow. It actually happens a lot more than I even thought, but that's something that happens a lot in this musical. I am, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like in some instances it works. And then in some instances, I feel like it takes away from the song itself because um, I like a song that has like a little bit of a slow buildup but then like really gets to it. So I'm, I'm describing a power ballad. I love myself a power ballad. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, that's just like how a lot of the storytelling is done. There's also, I mean, there's also scenes. It's not like it's a mega musical where it's, it's like Les Mis and no one's talking. There are scenes. Yeah, a lot of dialogue happens in the songs. Just something interesting to think about. But Oh my god, you guys, I love this opening. I mean, I think it's one of the most iconic openings to a show. I mean, the when Margot and Serena and Pilar come out of the windows, I feel like that's a pretty icon iconic moment in like Broadway history, I guess. I mean, not really, but like as far as openings go, I feel like that's very like, you, you know what's gonna happen. Like they're always gonna come through the doors of the sorority house. And it's very, this music, it, it fits the show perfectly. All of the, it's all, it's high energy, it's serious where it needs to be, it's comedic pretty much all the way through. Um, it fits the show and the um, atmosphere of the show. It's, it kind of sets the atmosphere of the show very, very well. So yes, I love this opening. And then of course they give Elle the congratulations card at the very end of it, which is actually weird because that's another iconic moment. And um, in the production where I played Margot, we didn't do that. It was like we had the card and then the card went away and never came back. And um, I was like, where'd the card go? Because that was the whole point of the song. But I digress. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very, just a very iconic. Like, you know what you're going to get when you go and see Legally Blonde the Musical. You know that there are cer certain moments that you're going to see. And I just think that that's, it's a great setup to the story as a whole. It is very, um, it sets up her as a sorority girl it sets up her whole it, it just sets up a lot I think and it, it does it does the job of a opening and I like to see that in a musical there's some musicals that their openings I don't know if it sets up the show too well but this one I like I enjoy very much all right guys and then of course we have Warner Cunningham III himself walking in with his 
gorgeous self and he takes Elle and of course she thinks she's gonna get proposed to. This song is so clever, right? This serious, I mean, he's from like the minute he starts singing, he's like, he's about to propose. And then it turns on a dime. Like it's just so cleverly written. And I feel like it, it sets Warner up as a character very well. You very much get his attitude from this song. Like this um, holier than thou, um, I'm, I'm better than you type of attitude. And um, I don't know. I feel, I feel really bad for Elle because I just feel like it just sets her up as like being a super naive character, which I guess that kind of sets her growth because she does start off kind of naive and like blase to, you know, the world around her. And then obviously she grows at the end of the musical. But I just feel really bad for her in this moment because why wouldn't you feel bad for someone who, who you think is going to propose and then they get broken up with? Are you? Oh my gosh, I just threw my, my mic like across the room. I'm using my mic on my headphones. I didn't actually throw a physical mic across the room. That's for later. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I feel really bad for her. But yeah, I really love the way they set Elle up as as the character because I feel like this is one is a show that just does a really great job of showing um, character growth throughout the whole show, through a lot of characters. I mean, you see growth in Elle, you see growth in Vivian, you see growth in Warner and Emmett. You see, it's, it's just a, a show full of growth. And I feel like they set her up in this moment really well to be able to you know take her on the journey that is harvard law school and into who she becomes by the end of the musical oh i love what you want it's such a fun number it it just it's it's like the beginnings of of who we're about to see l become right it's she she very much goes after what she wants and right now even though it's a guy later on it's you know, her degree and her career. And I just, that's one thing I love about this musical is it's just like so like empowering, like female empowerment and female driven throughout the entire musical. And I just, I just love everything that, everything that encompasses that within the show. Okay, I'm going to talk about the show now. What You Want is such a fun number. Uh, it sets up the Greek chorus pretty well even though they're not called the Greek chorus yet that whole trio and then the Delta News of course um, behind them as well um, it just sets them up as characters and as like Elle's kind of hype girls pretty well um, and then the whole SAT or no not SAT LSAT section is just so great I mean Grandmaster Chad rapping while Elle is trying to take her LSATs is it's just such a good moment in the show and I think it really sets up that um frat sorority um vibe pretty well let's talk about when she tells her parents that she wants to go to Harvard Law they're so against it and because they're like oh honey you're just a pretty blonde you'll never be anything more than that why don't why don't I buy you a Birkin bag I love Elle's mom she's one of the best characters in musical theater canon try and fight me on that I know I'm correct I would love to play her one day <laughs> um um but yeah her parents are just like mm, no because why why would you want that and I, I don't know that's really I don't I feel sad for her about that. But um, then she convinced, I love how throughout this whole song, she convinces everyone that she deserves to be at Harvard with um, the idea of being in love because love can drive you to do crazy things like apply for Harvard and work so hard that you actually get in. But 
if it were not for love, she would not have been where she is at the end of the show either. So A A one on the love storyline. But I just think it's funny that her dad's like, Oh, you're in love? Okay, um, sure, I'll pay for Harvard and her mom is still like, Want a Birkin bag to go with that uh, Harvard degree? I'll buy you one. Love her character. She's great. And then of course we get to the Harvard admissions and one of my favorite lines is um Miss L. Woods, uh, who sent in a headshot. What a classic musical theater move, Elle Woods. Very, very on brand for your your type. Um, I just love that line. I think it's so funny. And then they the, she brings the band in for her personal essay and then the whole legal jargon and the headmaster is not having it. And then, of course, but what about love? Like, love. Come on. You have... I um, think that uh, all people should get into Harvard by singing a um, grand song with a marching band behind them. I think that's the best way to get into Harvard. So why not? Why not do it? It's a great song. I love it. So she gets into Harvard and then we're at the Harvard Variations, which I feel like sets up a very good um, opposing dynamic to L versus the Harvard students. Here even more so, I think, than in Blood in the Water because she is just so... Um, call her sorority girl. She's so sorority girl versus these very um, academically successful kids who got into Harvard the correct way. And it's just very interesting to see like the, the three different types of, not even like secluded to those three, but three types of characters that you find within an Ivy League, um, very successful academic achieved mind. Right. You start with like this very um. I am uh, very high, highly achieved in my country, and then this guy who got in because basically he has money, and then this girl, Enid Hoops, obviously who is very um feminist movement, um very uh obviously uh radically liberal, um who just has all these ideas that she's going to change the world. Um and I think that's it's just a great dynamic. It's a, it's it's a song that can kind of get lost in within the show because it's not one of those, you know, big brassy numbers that like a lot of these other numbers are, but I feel like it does. It's an important part of the show because it really sets up the the opposing dynamic from them to who Elle Woods is. And then of course she finds Warner and Warner's like, bruh, what are you doing here? How did you even get into here? Because he did not think that little Miss Blondie over here was about to get into Harvard. He, I mean, I wouldn't have seen it coming in a million years either, Warner, but like, honey, that's what you get. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but of course, he, okay, well, uh, does she know that Vivian is with him at this time? I don't think so. I think she just bumps into him and he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I got into Harvard. What? Like, it's hard? I don't think that's in the musical, but that's one of my favorite lines from the movie. Then it will be on the blooper reel next podcast. Um, but um, yeah, I think it, I think that's just a line in the movie, but it's, it's such a great line. And then we get to Callahan's classroom. I have questions about Callahan. Why is he so intense? Is this how, is this really how Harvard professors or law professors are? Because I, I, I majored in musical theater, as we all know, because I have my BFA. Haha. <laughs> um, and I feel like even the teachers at my conservatory, while they were hard on us, none of them like flat out were like, only two of you will actually make it in this business. No, they like trained us all to be successful in our own ways. And 
I mean, whether we are end up being successful in our chosen career paths or not, they trained all of us to be successful. They did not come into it with the mindset that only two of us are going to actually make it in the world of the performing arts. And I feel like, I feel like the performing arts is a little more uh, competitive than um, lawyers, because there's lawyers out there everywhere. I mean, I know nothing about the field. So if you're a lawyer and you're listening to this and I've offended you, I'm very, very sorry. But I feel like if, if that type of um, thing is not happening at my conservatory, it shouldn't be happening at Harvard Law School. But I digress. We obviously, if Callahan was not the villain of the show, we would have a very boring show in our hands. So I, I really need to stop talking about these things like they're real life because they're definitely, um, it's all fantastical plotline anyway. So um, I should just like let the writers do their thing and just, you know, give my opinions on it. But <laughs> anyway, this is one of my favorite songs in the whole show. And I feel like if you asked me if I wanted to gender bend any role, what would it be? I feel like, it may, okay, maybe it's changed. But a couple years ago, I would have told you Callahan because of this song specifically. I love this song so much. I love that it's like, it's evil, but it's subtle evil. Like, it's like, I'm just trying to tell you how it really is. And if you don't like it, then you can, you are more than welcome to leave. But this is the way it's going to be. And um, uh, take it as you will. Yeah, it's just very, it's very um, badass and evil. And um I, I just really, I, I think the build at the end of the song is so good. I love it so much. It's just such a great song, and it's a jam. And I um, blow my vocal cords out in my car every time it comes on. Moving on. Oh, we get to the Greek chorus. Greek chorus. Um, the Delta News come in. What a great way to incorporate the Delta News, Marcus Serena Pilar, and the rest of the gang into the show. Because, of course, like in the movie, they get a little bit lost because they come, they're at the, obviously they're at the very beginning and they don't really come in until the end. But what a fantastic way to incorporate this very um, fun group into this very fun musical, right? I, I mean, I loved, this, is, this was one of my favorite parts of, of being, of playing Margot was the opportunity to come in and do this whole Greek chorus positive uh, bend and snap all of the things that the Greek course, uh, they come in and chip on my shoulder. It's just, it just adds another element to the show that is very um, fun and spunky and very upbeat and makes the musical what it is. It makes the musical fantastic. Um, but they sing, they sing to her and she's like, I'm going to go dye my hair. And they're like, no, you're not, girl. And she's like, I got to do it because he's dating a brunette, which by the way, we haven't talked about Vivian yet, but we probably should have. Um, she's kind of rude to Elle. She's not the best. She's got a bob. She's like typical Harvard, like prep girl, preppy, prep student. That's like, I'm too good for you. And you need to back off my mans because he's mine and not with you anymore. Um, so she's like, I gotta go dye my hair. And they're like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And they're like, are you sure? And she's like, yes, I am sure. So they leave. And then she goes and meets the one and only love of my life, Paulette Bonafonte. Oh, what a dream role. Literally, Paulette, had, I have been dreaming of playing Paulette my whole life. It's like those types of characters, like the older, um, kind of kooky, older ladies that are just, I find so fascinating and fun to um, play and portray on stage. So hopefully when I'm older, I 
one at one point in my life get to play that role. Paulette talks her out of it, and she's like, girl, you got to go get your man, but you can't change who you are to get him. And then she sings this whole song about Ireland and finding falling, finding her true love, but he got away because she was in Ireland, and she'll, she'll never see him again. Um, Ireland is just a great song. Kind of, um, I mean, obviously sets up the character, kind of feels out of place within the musical a little bit, but I don't care because it's a good song, and... Um, it, it just gives Paulette all of the things to do. And I love when Paulette gets to do anything. So I love it. And then we have the reprise, of course. She gets invited to the party and shows up in a bunny outfit because Vivian is mean and tells her that this is a costume party when it is not. And then, of course, she, you know, she steps on Vivian's toes and is like, mm, well, I still look better than you. So um, she turns it. That's what I love about Elle is that she turns um, less than ideal situations into something positive and something that uh, works to her favor and just makes light of a bad situation, which I feel like is the stuff that we could all um, uh, choose to do a little bit more of in our lives, um, right? But she sings to, she gets rejected by Warner again, obviously. And then so she runs to a park bench where she is found by Emmett. And um, this is their first um, interaction where they're really kind of bonding and creating, creating a real friendship. Um, which is great. Okay, I love the idea of Chip on My Shoulder as a song. I love the if if you took out like all of the dialogue bits that like are intertwined, Chip on My Shoulder would be my, uh, probably my favorite song. Unfortunately, because there's so much that happens within it, it's kind of one of my least favorite moments in the show because I I don't know. I just felt like it it took too long to get to the point. I understand that we have to set up that L is like going through this transformation and it happens within the time span of like a 7-minute song and she completely goes from dumb already blonde to I'm a Harvard genius in seven minutes and it's great but I feel like um it just kind of glosses over it all and it's it's just too I don't know I don't love it as a song I'm sorry don't come for me but that's a uh, it's a great moment in the show because it's a great moment for Elle and we really get to see that transformation um and then she does her first good deed when she helps Paulette get her little puppy back from um the mean his name's Dewey um, her her ex-boyfriend and she gets her dog back and that's when she first re she realizes she's like wow like this is what being a lawyer is it's like changing lives it's so much more than just you know winning cases and I could be doing so much more than just being here to to get back with my ex-boyfriend I could actually impact lives with this and then she you know she becomes who she is ultimately and then obviously one of the most iconic songs in the musical theater canon one of the uh one of the best um, Act 1 finales that um, I think exist. So much better. Whew, what a hard sing. I mean, if, you, if you're playing Elle Woods, congrats to you, girl. Like, you have stamina. You have um, a voice that can go to the heavens. Like, it's, it's such a hard role to sing. And this song is just proof of that. I mean, she's belting the whole time and then at the end has to hold what a C-sharp. For like 52 measures like it's ridiculous but it's just this song totally you know encapsulates everything that Elle has become and it only sets her up for where she's gonna go on and I just think that even within one act I mean Elle has just she's just become this completely different person and um, is there for herself and no longer for Warner, which we love. We love to see a woman who's like, I don't need a man's in my life. You can go do what you're doing with Vivian over there, but I'm going to stay here and be my own person and you're going to see me grow um, without you. And I love that. Act two, we start out with my girl, 
Okay, listen, I did just say that Paulette Bonaparte was my dream role in the show. That's like a future dream role. Brooke Wyndham is a right now dream role. Like I would give anything to play this role. I just, I don't know why. I don't, I don't have like a particular reason. I just feel like I, um, I, I don't know. I just feel like I would love to play this role one time. I think Whipped Into Shape is such a cool number. I mean, she is jump rope. She, guys, guys, she is like hardcore jump roping and like belting at the same time. It's impeccable. And it's just, it's such, I mean, it's an iconic moment in Broadway history. I mean, I know that it's funny when I say that <laughs> Legally Blonde um, had any iconic moments in Broadway history, but I mean, like, She's jump roping while belting. And I, I mean, the, the next great, I mean, the, 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 the next closest thing I can think of is in uh, Holiday Inn when they're literally jump roping and tap dancing at the same time. That's pretty cool too. But I don't know, this number is just such a, it's such a good number. Again, lots of dialogue and um, plot happening within the song. Which is, um, if, if you like it, you like it. Um, I prefer the songs to be the songs and the plot and dialogue to happen separately. But that's just my, just my personal taste. But regardless, she's jump roping and belting at the same time. So, well, I don't care. Um, Brooke and Elle hit it off because Brooke is a Delta new, new, new. Um, that's all I'm going to do because I'm not trying to get copyrighted here. I don't even know if that's something I can get copyrighted on, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, they form a bond. Brooke trusts her, obviously tells her her alibi. Um, and Elle is, uh, has all the power at this moment in time. And now we are moving on to one of my favorite moments in the show, Take It Like a Man. This has no, this has absolutely no reason for being my favorite moment. It lives rent-free in my mind 24-7 though, because this song is a bop. I don't know why, but anytime it comes on, I'm like, so take it a lot. Like, it's just, it's, it's so good. And I just think it's a really sweet moment between Elle and Emmett. Because, you know, up until then, we've obviously, we've seen, like, a spark between the two of them, right? Especially in Chip on My Shoulder. Like, we're like, they need to get together. But this is, like, the first moment where I think they kind of realize it, too. And it's just really sweet. And I just, I don't know. And and it's, it's cool because it's like, Emmett kind of took Elle on this journey to becoming someone new. And now Elle is repaying him, not just by buying his new clothes, but like just taking him to this department store and teaching him to be like this man that he always could be and, and uh, giving him like this, this mindset that he is worth more than he thinks he is. I think is it's just a, it's a great moment. And she does that through clothing, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and then, oh, we get to the bend and snap and Kyle, Mr. Kyle walks in. Um, pa Paulette is in love with him. Um, and the Greek chorus is like, girl, you better get your mans. Um, <laughs> just a, just a fun moment, uh, iconic moment in Legally Blonde, the bend and snap. Obviously one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite dance, um, moments in the show. Um, it's just a fun song. The Greek chorus again. I mean, they come on. I wouldn't say that they add too much to the plot line of it all, but I, I feel like in a show like this, you have to constant, you have to constantly drive the energy up and up and up. And this is just... Um, I feel like Take It Like a Man probably took it down a couple notches and of course Ben Snap is there to relieve the tension and just we're having a good time and we're singing and we're snapping and Paulette is busting noses and it's a great moment. All right, and then uh, of course we get to the court scene and Brooke is on trial and her pool boy is up there claiming that she had an affair 
with him, which is a big deal because if she had an affair with him, then obviously she killed her husband because um, she didn't want to be with him anymore. She wanted to be with the pool boy. And Elle is like, hmm, I don't think so. I don't think you had an affair with her because I don't think you um, are into are into her in that way. Dun, dun, dun. She does the bend and snap in front of him. And of course he doesn't notice. So she's like, mm, boy, I know. I know you gay. I know. And Callahan's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, he didn't even look when I did the bend and snap, which come on. I hate, I do hate that the pl the whole plot line of it all is like any, any guy would like, obviously like just dip, fall over if, if a, a woman like bent over and showed him her took us um, and then plumped up her boobs. Um, yeah, the, the fact that we are, um, uh, we had to uh, assume that he's gay because of that. Eh, maybe, maybe it doesn't show men in the greatest fashion, but um, I mean, the plot line had to come from somewhere. So, so she's, she's like, no, he's gay. And he's like, he's definitely just European. Like the Europeans dress like that and they talk like that. And then, oh, <laughs> one of the best moments in the show. I keep saying one of the best moments because this show, guys, is kind of foolproof. All I have to say, I'm sorry, I said it, I said it, it's a great show. But one of the best lines in the show is, um, I'm straight. And Carlos goes, you were not yesterday. <laughs> Literally an a, amazing writing. Props to the writers on that, like, great line. That's all I have to say. So obviously we figure out that, um, Brooke is not guilty because she did not sleep with the pool boy. I mean, we knew she wasn't guilty in the first part. Um, they have a celebration. Elle is... Um, confiding in Callahan. Callahan is telling her how great, how much she's progressed and how great of a student she is and that she has a real future. And then obviously the ball drops. Callahan is using her for her looks, for her body, just everything that's wrong with that, that whole situation. We don't stand that. Like, come on, Callahan. It, it's just a sad, it's, 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 it's a sad moment in the show, but it's also just really sad for Elle because she feels that she has made all this progress and she has she's very intelligent and she knows what she's doing and then it feels like just kind of like it's been stripped away simply because a man decided that he wanted to hire her for the wrong purposes and so of course she gets down on herself and is like well maybe I was never really any good in the first place and then she decides that it's just better for her to go home because she's not actually worth anything, which is not true. And we'll get to that later when um, Miss Vivian comes to uh, tell her the facts. Um, but first, we got to talk about Legally Blonde, obviously the title number of the show. Um, is this supposed to be the 11 o'clock number or is that Legally Blonde remix? Because... I just feel like this is not this is not the 11 o'clock number I wanted out of the show. It's a ballad and it's it's a slow ballad and it just doesn't I feel like it just doesn't really do it for me as an 11 o'clock number. Regardless, we see how upset Elle is and has to go home and then Emmett obviously is like I'm in love with you and you're actually really smart, so don't listen to what he says. She does she's not hearing it, she's not having it. She packs up. She goes to Paulette to say goodbye and as she's saying goodbye, who appears out of nowhere to give her the biggest hype of it all? Miss Vivian Kensington, her mortal enemy from day one. She is there and she's like, girl, do not let a man come out here and tell you what you are worth and, and how intelligent you are and what you can do in the world. Don't let him because I've seen it with my own two eyes and woman to woman, you are great, you are intelligent and you are gonna win this, this case. So pull up your big girl pants 
and get back in the room and prove him wrong. Great moment. And then Vivian belts to the high heavens. Um, literally a great vocal moment on Vivian's part. <sighs> what is she? That's, that's like an A. She that she's squelting. It's ridiculous. Such a great song. Such an empowering song. Again, I like the beginning and I like the end of it, but there's a lot of things that happen in the middle of them. Like, did this, was this really necessary? Like the whole parade thing. And then we have an Irish jig. I just feel like it kind of interrupts the, the main focus of it all. But again, it's Legally Blonde and Musical and we have to have a moment where the entire ensemble is able to gather on stage and perform, you know, what is almost the final number. And then we get into the courtroom and Elle owns the place. Brooke is like, mister, you're fired. Guess who I hired? This girl who you thought was just a dumb blonde when actually she's about to win my entire trial when you weren't doing anything. So bye-bye. And what a great moment for Elle as she just walks Cal watches Callahan walk out and just leaves him in the dust and then does exactly what she intended to do. She gets Chutney on the stand and she calls her out and she gets her to confess and she does it all in her own style. She does everything, like she doesn't change who she is to fit this idea of what the expectation is. She does everything in her style and that's such a great message um, in life. That is such a great life message. Just you don't have to change who you are and what you val value and what your morals are to fit into this expectation of bubble that the world is trying to put you into. Because you can do everything in your own way as long as you know what you're doing and as long as you stick to your guns. Like you, you don't have to change who you are to be successful. You can be successful in your own way and you can do it in pink and high heels, girl, because yes, you can. Um, but just, it's just, I mean, that's basically the end of the musical. Obviously, she graduates as valedictorian, which kind of comes out of nowhere. I understand. It's like, okay, fine. We'll give her valedictorian because that wouldn't, it wouldn't be the final growth if she wasn't. But I don't know if, uh, if Elle is actually valedictorian material, but, um, you know, she's good enough. So, um, she, and then, and then Emmett proposes and, oh, but before that, let's talk about a little bit of other growth. Warner is like, oh girl, hey, you're successful now. You wanna marry me? And she's like, no, thank you. I do not need you in my life anymore. Such a great moment. Again, just going back on it all, just the whole, I'm, I don't need to change who I am for you. And if you're trying to change me, then I don't need you in my life anyway. And so bye-bye Warner. And then Emmett proposes at the graduation. They sing, I find my way. We see where everyone's lives is. Thank you, Paulette. And um, the musical's over. And what a great show, guys. I just think that it is um, such a fun show. And honestly, I didn't even really think about the all the messages that are kind of, you know, hidden in like hidden little themes and gems with throughout this musical until I talked about it just now. But there's so much I mean, like growth as human beings and, um, you know, staying true to who you are and finding your own empowerment in the way that you do things and not bending to the society norms just to fit in and fit into the standard of what is accepted in society. Wow, Legally Blonde, much deeper than I originally thought. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and get on to my favorite part, my least favorite part, my rating, my dream cast. We'll talk about all those things. My favorite part, we've already talked about it, Take It Like a Man, Bend and Snap, and Blood in the Water. No particular order. I love all three of them. They're such great moments in the show. And I think they're um, perfectly written songs. That's all I have to say. Um, 
I don't want to leave out I th- I want to give so much better like an honorable mention because I feel like it is one of the best act one finales that I I mean in my opinion so I'll give it honorable mention my least favorite part is chip on my shoulder and the legally blonde reprise not the like Vivian Schrouting part but the um it's it's just like I don't like the distraction of the scenes that happen and all the extra stuff that goes on that I feel like takes away from what those two songs are generally trying to get to. So that's just my opinion. But I mean, if you if you like it, then sure, it's great. It's, it, it does show a lot of growth in both of those songs, but I just feel like there's a lot of distraction immersed within the songs that if they were taken out would have made the songs better. But I understand why that stuff is there to an extent. But my least favorite part of the show. But it's fine. I mean, the show is still great. Guys, we have to talk about something. We don't really have to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it because it's a little bit of tea. But um, we, we can't talk about Legally Blonde um, without talking about this. Do you guys think that the Sutton Foster, Laurel Bundy, and Christian Borel drama is real tea or fake tea? I personally like to believe... I don't like to believe it, but I am very much team... We all know this. We all know it. If you've listened to my past episodes, you know. I am obsessed with Sutton Foster. She is my favorite actress. Um, I just feel like I find similarities within myself and within the character she plays. And I just think that she is the most, she's like the kindest human being in the entire world. So I look up to her a lot and I have to stand by my girl. So I choose to believe that that drama is real and that Christian Borle did her dirty. And Laura Bell Bunny and Christian Borle, what you what you guys doing? But what do you guys think? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's fake? I know that Sutton and Christian have worked together in the in the future, like after their divorce. Um, and I mean every every time like they're in an interview together, they're very civil. And he was on Younger with her, playing like a love interest character. Um, but I I don't know. I just so maybe it's not real if they're able to do that, or maybe they're both just grown-ups and able to like look past that and say this is a job that we have to do, and so we're gonna do it and we're gonna be civil. And but I wonder. But you know that's just like a way of things turning out the way they should be. Um, I think that she is very happy with her life now. Uh, her she looks very hus- very happy with her husband on Instagram, and you know they have their little girl. And um, so if that if none of that happened, then you know. She wouldn't have the life that she has right now. So it was all meant to be. But I just got I just got to give her a shout out. Got to give her a shout out. And I talked about that because this obviously happened within the, the time span that Laura Bobundi and Christian Borwell were in this musical together. Um, but I just wanted to divert some tea, some time to talk about that tea. Okay, let's get to my rating. I am going to give this 8 out of 10 Kiki the Colorist. If you know, you know. Works every time. Yeah, it does. Um, it's a great musical. I only find I find very little flaw in this musical. It's fun. It's energetic. It's it's a musical that you're gonna go in and you're gonna enjoy, um, no matter really no matter what type of production you're seeing because it's just fun and it's upbeat and it's energetic and it's just it's got a great storyline and obviously some great hidden themes in there and. I find very little flaw with it. I really do. So 8 out of 10, Kiki the Colorist. That's my rating. And now we're going to move on to my Dreamcast. Yeah, I like that. Dreamcast. We like that. Do we like that? Well, it might change every week. Who knows? All right, let's start with Miss Elle Woods herself. 
I had a really hard time thinking of who I wanted to play this. Guys, when I when I make up these dream casts in my head, I try to pick people who really fit the characters and who I think would do a really good job. I don't just like to pick my favorite actors. I I honestly like I I look at the person, I look at like the types of roles that they've played in the past. I look at like their voice type. Like I'm obviously not going to stick a legit soprano in Legally Blonde, which is a very poppy like belty Screlty musical. So I had a hard time picking this because I feel like this, like it's the obvious, there's an obvious answer here and it's Taylor Louderman who I want to see play Elle, but it's such a safe choice that I'm like, who else would be good? And I really, I mean, I'm sure there are other people out there. And I also wanted to pick people who hadn't necessarily played her in the past. So I'm going with Taylor Louderman. A lot of you may be saying, what girl, what about Renee Rapp? I thought about it. I thought about Renee, but I feel like Renee she really does fit within the realm of Mean Girls because she reads a little bit younger, I feel like. I can, um, I read that she is a high school schooler in that show. I don't know if she's necessarily a senior out of college yet. I think she'll get there, but I just think she reads a little bit too young for the role. And I, and I think I'd like to see Taylor Latterman's interpretation more than Renee's. So I'm going with the safe choice. Um, Warner, guys, you already know who I'm about to say. It's the perfect role for him. I've been trying to stick him in my Dreamcast in the past, and he's, like, kind of fitting. But, like, this one, Warner, Jelani Aladdin. Yes, please and thank you. Check mark, done, signed, still delivered. I'm yours. Thank you very much. Emmett Forrest. I have two, but I feel like one fits better than the other. So I have Derek Klenna, and then I have Skylar Aston, and I feel like Skylar Aston might fit the mold a little bit better. I do have, like, a couple that have multiple answers, but maybe I'll just pick one. So I'm going to go with Skylar Aston. Um, and then Derek Klinnick can be both the Warner and the Emmett understudy because he'd be great at both. Vivian, Jessica Keenan Wynn. She was the original Heather Chandler in Heathers. And she also played, oh, what's what who what's her name in Beautiful? Charlotte? The the Carolyn Z character. But I think she'd, she'd totally kill. Like she has a very um stoic, uh, not necessarily like, I don't want to say mean girl, but like... Um, I don't know, that like, that like, I'm better than you vibe, like, she, she plays that very well, I think, especially seeing her as Heather Chandler. Um, Margot, um, Elle McLemore, she was the original Heather McNamara, and also the OG Ava in Bring It On, and she just has that very, that like, light, um, preppy, um, blonde, ditzy energy that I think is perfect for it. Serena, Adrian Warren, sign still delivered, I'm yours, like, thank you very much. It's, I think it's, it's perfect casting. She would kill that role. Like, she has the energy. I mean, you, if you saw her in Bring It On, she was a great Danielle. And uh, her, Tina, I mean, bring that energy to Serena. Like, she'd be so good. Moving on to Pilar. Jasmine Jones, Miss um, Peggy slash Mariah in Hamilton. I think she'd bring such a great energy to this character. Great casting, if I do say so myself. I wasn't going to cast this role because it's very minor, but... um. I don't know. I feel like I had the per perfect person to play it. And even though I feel like she wouldn't be playing this minor of a role, I chose to give it to her because it's my dream cast and I can do whatever I want. We have Kate. And I have given this role to Christy Altimore. I mean, she's perfect. She has that very sweet, innocent, but also like she is, she could all totally pass her a sorority girl, like the nerdy sorority girl. Great. Callahan. I'm very excited about this. Um, I It's a different interpretation of Callahan, definitely. But... I think he would bring such a cool perspective to the character. Tay Diggs. 
he I think he would bring like a great like evil persona to Callahan. Sure, it makes Callahan a little bit younger than probably is expected, but I just think that his interpretation would be amazing and I would be really excited to see that. Also, I would give anything to hear him sing Blood in the Water and that's all I have to say. Um, Brooke, Kate Rockwell, I mean, there is no one else in my mind. She, I think, believe she played Margot at a time in her life. She wasn't the original because that was Annalie Ashford. But I think she did play Margot and maybe she understudied for Elle, but I don't, I'm not sure. But I think right now where she's at in her life right now, she would be a great Brooke. Paulette, I have Leslie Kritzer, um, which I found it today is the OG Serena. I did not know that. She's not the one in the MTV film that is the bootleg on YouTube, right? That's not her, because I I mean, I didn't know that. I don't know. I don't know who's playing Serena in that role, but apparently she's the original Serena. But I think right now, where she's at her in her life, she would be the perfect Paulette. And if not her, I also wrote Stephanie J. Block, because I also think that she would be fantastic would totally kill that role. I mean, these like this quirky, like older lady who's just kind of kooky and like, come on. Thank you very much. Enid Hoops, Krista Rodriguez. And then I put slash Vivian Understudy because it just makes sense. Okay, thank you very much. And lastly, to round it all out, we have Kyle, who I have um, given the honor of playing this role to Zachary Levi. Thank you very much. That's all I have to say. He'd be perfect. I mean, all he has to do is walk on and look sexy. Zachary Levi is perfect. Like, come on, come on. That rounds out my dream cast, guys. Let me know if you have any and a different dream cast or, you know, if, if you disagree, if you agree. I think it's perfect. Okay, now we're going to move on to the game portion of the podcast. This is one of my favorite portions because all of the, the talky talk stuff is out of the way. And um, I can just relax and have a good time. So last week, I did this like lightning round question thing. And one of the questions was super fan, buy a ticket or pass, which was like a basically like a a Mary kiss kill situation. So I'm gonna do that. And I've picked like a bunch of mainstream musicals. And so what's gonna happen is I'm gonna put those into categories. And then I'm gonna take all of the shows that get a super fan and a buy a ticket into a round for next week and we're just gonna it's gonna be a part two and eventually we're gonna get this down I know I've already guys I know in the second episode I know I told you what my favorite musical was I know we played a game but it might change because I've just I'm I've chosen some some of the same musicals I've put some different ones in there um we're gonna find out what my ultimate super fan is by the end of this I don't know how long this will take It might be three parts, it might be two parts, depending on how long it takes, but um, I'm just going to draw three names. Um, So it's totally, completely random. Okay, let's start. I have, to start out with, okay, I have Spring Awakening, I have The Sound of Music, oh, and I have Legally Blonde. Okay, let's see. Oh gosh, this is hard because these are three great musicals. Um, Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to super fan over Spring Awakening. It's one of my favorites, guys. Like, it's literally, like, it's probably one or two or three. It's, like, in the top three. Um, Oh, gosh. Oh, see, now this is just, this is a Legally Blonde episode, and I feel like this is just mean. But, okay, no, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna buy a ticket to Legally Blonde, and I'm going to pass on The Sound of Music because, because I would rather watch the movie than sit down and watch the stage version, I think. 
So that's why. Sorry, Sunday Music, I love you, but you gotta go. Okay, next round. We have Dogfight, six, oof, and Beetlejuice. Okay, I'm gonna super fan over six. I'm going to, oh man. I listened to the album too much to, to not. I'm gonna buy a ticket to Beetlejuice and I'm gonna pass on Dogfight. I, I always say that Dogfight is one of my favorite musicals, but it always ends up losing these things. So maybe it's not. I don't, but see, the thing is, I don't know if Beetlejuice is up there. I just like am on a Beetlejuice kick right now. So maybe that's just it. But at this moment in time, those are the results. It's unfortunate, but it has to happen. Okay, next we have Wicked, Something Rotten, and Mean Girls. Okay, okay, um, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna fangirl, super fan over Wicked. I'm gonna buy a ticket to Something Rotten, and I'm gonna pass on Mean Girls. I do love Mean Girls, but out of those three, I, it's, just, it's just the way it's gotta go. Okay, <clears throat> okay, I have Waitress, I have Fiddler on the Roof, aw. And I have The Lion King. Oh no. Have you guys heard that TikTok sound that's like, oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. It's, and it's, it's like just people, videos of people um, uh, zooming in on like situations that are gonna go bad and just like pauses the video like right before the bad thing happens and that sound plays. That's how I feel right now. Okay, okay, I'm gonna super fan over Waitress. <sighs> I'm gonna buy a ticket to The Lion King and I'm gonna pass on Feather on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof is a very special musical to me because of because I was in it and the experience that I had, but I will say it's not necessarily one of my favorite musicals to sit down and watch. Okay, moving on. We have Phantom of the Opera, Carrie, and ooh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Okay, well, this one is kind of easy because I don't like Phantom of the Opera. I know I'm going to get... People are going to come for me, so I'm going to pass on Phantom. I'm going to buy a ticket to Carrie, and I'm going to super fan over Thoroughly Modern Millie. Okay, Sutton Foster, come on. Okay, next we have, oh, another one. Anything Goes, Be More Chill, and, ooh, Newsies. Okay, oh, okay, I'm going to fangirl over Newsies. I'm going to buy a ticket to Anything Goes, and I'm going to pass on Be More Chill. But Be More Chill is a great musical, and you should go see it. Uh, when things open back up. Okay, next. I have Hades Town. I have Les Mis. And I have Carousel. Okay. Um, again, people are going to come for me. I am not the biggest fan of Les Mis. I do like moments that happen in it. Um, but it's a long musical. So <laughs> I'm going to pass on Les Mis. I'm going to fangirl over Hades Town, and I will buy a ticket to Carousel. All right, and we have two more rounds. Okay, so this one we have Hamilton, we have Dear Evan Hansen. Oh gosh, two Tony winners back to back. That's hard. And we have no, we have Heather's. Oh, this is. I think this might be the hardest round. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. 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 Okay. Um. Well. Okay. Oh gosh. Oh. Oh. I'm gonna, people are gonna come for me. I'm gonna super fan over Hamilton. I'm gonna buy a ticket to Heather's and I'm gonna pass on Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt. That's all I have to say. Don't come for me. Okay, and this is the last round. We have The Color Purple. Ooh. We have Into the Woods and we have the classic Oklahoma. Okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna super fan over Into the Woods. I'm going to buy a ticket to The Color Purple 
and I'm going to pass on Oklahoma for this round. So guys, that is the results of the first round. We will continue this next week, and eventually we will find out my biggest super fan musical. So I just want to let everyone know what's in the running for next week. We have Spring Awakening, Legally Blonde, Six, uh, Wicked, Something Rotten, Beetlejuice, Waitress, The Lion King, Carrie, Thoroughly Modern Millie, Anything Goes, Newsies, Town, Carousel, Hamilton, Heathers, The Color Purple, and Into the Woods. We will carry those on to next week, and eventually we will find my superfan musical of all time. Well, not of all time. Of We'll call this like the mainstream musical round, because I picked a bunch of like what I interpret to be mainstream musicals. So that concludes the game portion. And now, of course, guys, we are going to get into the advice column. <sighs> Today's advice column is um, something that I'm still trying to learn and cope with myself. Um, and I feel like just saying it and putting it out into the universe will help me and will also help a lot of you other people, you youngsters especially, um, looking to go into this as a as a career or even if you're just doing it for fun, this is my advice for this week. Kiddos, from your aunt, fun aunt Kelsey, stop comparing yourself to other people. It is not worth the stress that it induces the anxiety it causes, and it's not worth your time. Every single person is their own unique individual person. You have your own personality. We all have our own quirks, and we have we all have something that makes us special in our own ways. You cannot, you cannot compare yourself to the person sitting next to you because you are completely different. You're going to interpret a song completely different. You're gonna interpret a scene in a completely new way. I can prove that from experience, from watching two different scenes in scene study that are the same scene by two different people. You cannot compare yourself to the person sitting next to you because you're not gonna get anything out of it. And it's only gonna make your head hurt and waste your time and make you overanalyze a bunch of things. You have to be you and you have to find what makes you spectacularly unique and take it into the room and own that, okay? If you are a, a an alto with an amazing like low raspy voice, you're, you can't compare yourself to the soprano one standing next to you singing um, vanilla ice cream and like, screaming to the high heavens like you can't compare yourself because guess what miss sandy over here can't do what you can do you she can't sing the lower raspy like jazzy or vibey songs that you can sing that's what makes you special and that high b flat is what makes her special and you have to just you you can't because if you spend your time comparing yourself to her and asking yourself oh well why don't i have that range why can't i sing that high why don't i sound as like pretty and ringy as that i just have this low raspy voice no that no one wants that is not true everyone has a place in this business every voice type every character type like you have a place in this business and you have to focus on you and you alone or you're going to drive yourself crazy and and i'm i'm saying this out loud so that i can hear it too because I fall victim to this all the time. I mean, especially when like you have someone who looks very similar to yourself um, and has like very similar, like a very similar voice type as well. Like even so, you are still gonna interpret things differently than that person is. And it's gonna be two 
you you could have an identical twin that has the exact same voice type as you walk into a room and the people behind the table are going to get two different interpretations. They're going to get two different performances because you're not this you don't share like a body or a brain or you're your own person and you have your own personality and you have to own that. You have to walk into a room and own it and stop worrying about other people. It's so it's going to release so much of the stress, so much of the anxiety, and it's going to just give you a a big confidence boost that you know that you are the only person that is like you out there, okay? So promise me, if you're listening to this, that you will try to stop comparing yourself to other people. I will promise this to myself. It's a hard journey, but it's one that we really just have to do for for ourselves as performers and as people in general. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're not a performer, you know, you have to, you can't, like if you're going to work, you can't compare your sales stats to the person's next to you sales stats or whatever profession you choose to go into, you know? It's 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 something that applies to all people in all walks of life. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a good lesson to learn. And once you do it, you'll, I mean, you'll just completely change. I feel like I've, changed as a performer just like by barely like recognizing it and acknowledging that it is something that I do and trying to stop doing it it's it's just you'll see a miraculous change in everything when you start focusing on yourself and stop worrying about the people around you guys that is the podcast for this week thank you guys so much for listening I think this is a really long one I'm so sorry but um thank you guys for if you've made it all the way through thanks for getting through it um you can listen to this podcast on Spotify on Apple Podcasts, which is that little purple podcast app that is already installed on your phone. Um, and if you guys could, for me, if, if you're on Spotify, if you could download this and subscribe to it. And then if you're on the Apple Podcast, if you could leave me a rating and a review, it just really helps me out. Whether you liked it, whether you didn't like it, I just want to know what you guys are thinking because I want to make these Um, as special and as fun for you guys as I can. Um, They're a lot of fun for me, and I want them to be a lot of fun to listen to as well. So thank you guys so much for for doing that for me. Um, You can find me personally on Instagram at underscore Kelsey McFall underscore. That's K-E-L-S-E-Y-M-C-F-A-L-L. And you can also find me on TikTok at KelseyMC137. I'm just super goofy on there. I just do random things that I've been doing a lot since I've been in my apartment in isolation. But um, yeah, if you guys just check that out, that uh, would mean so much to me. And um, uh, I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys.